0: Oh man, this is all professional. I'm I'm not endorsing Saxby's, by the way. But Yeah, all right. <laughs> I'm jealous. We don't have those out here. No, what, what um, what ch- do you have any ch- any other chicken place?
1: They got uh, churches, and there's a uh, Canes down in Honolulu.
0: Okay, all right. Church is not the same as Saxby's.
1: It's not. I do miss Saxby's a little bit. <laughs> Surprisingly, the food in white men is better than the food in Honolulu.
0: Oh, oh no! I don't know if some people will get offended by you saying I've never been to Hawaii, so I don't know. I don't want to get in yeah, trouble
1: if you're into like authentic Asian food, like uh, that stuff's pretty good. But I've got growing up in the Midwest, I've got a pretty boring palate, so I only go so deep into that stuff. Gotcha, gotcha. I hear you. Um, I miss uh Caqueria Havana over there in Warrensburg
0: oh that's right so I don't I don't think I've tried that um uh, there's that Mexican place in Noster sometimes I go there for lunch what is it Jalisco yeah
1: TJ's yeah
0: TJ's.
1: TJ. but uh Caqueria Havana is where it's at over there all right I, I got, miss, uh, Miller and Sons in too the barbecue
0: that place is good Yeah, we'll have to check that out at some point. But all right. Well, um, this should be, you know, this should be informative, I think, for for a lot of us. Um, we're here with Staff Sergeant Fenton and uh, we I think a lot of us already know he was selected, the first airman selected for the brand new E program. So that is, you know, that is amazing. Um, and we are I know a lot of us are super proud of you, um, that you were selected for this program, and it's just one thing that has been in the works for a while. I know that there were previous chiefs that have been working this, um, and I know that they're proud to see this uh, to see this go through, but it's amazing to get to talk to you and kind of go over what the process looks like, you know, and kind of learn a little bit about, about you, since we're going to be seeing you in the Jack or in the future as well. And uh, and also, because you're also recently retrained into the paralegal field, so we'll just cover um, those few things. But if we can start by you just telling us a little bit about yourself.
1: Uh, well, I'm Staff Sergeant Brad Finn, as you said. Uh, I started off in the Air Force at Whiteman Air Force Base as an aircraft electrical environmental technician. And then in uh, 2019, I t- crossed over to paralegal. And then I'm out here at uh, Hickam in the military justice section.
0: Okay, nice. So where where are you from?
1: I'm from Quincy, Illinois.
0: Okay. What do you say? Quincy, Illinois?
1: Yep, Quincy, Illinois.
0: Okay. All right. So then you, so did you get your bachelor's degree before you joined the Air Force?
1: Yeah, so I originally I went in to get my bachelor's right after high school, and I got my got that at uh, Western Illinois University in Macomb, Illinois, for a uh, double major in criminal justice and philosophy, and uh, was not I went to, did that, and then with that degree I spent a little bit of time in uh, Urbana, Illinois, as a patrol officer at the police department there, and then it was after that that I initially joined the Air Force.
0: Okay, wow. Um, so you came in on already with a lot of experience um, you know from having working outside of the air force and everything like that
1: yeah it was, it was a it was a bit of di- different experience coming in a l- little bit older having done a few different things
0: right so then you ended up um both, uh, so you decide to join the air force and mm-hmm. did you have a job in mind that you wanted to have coming in
1: uh, not particularly. I actually had entered on the like the electrical general aptitude area, not wanting to go into maintenance because I heard some horror stories, and uh, I learned that there are hybrid categories and that aircraft electrical environmental systems is both. So uh, I got notified of basic that that's where I ended up.
0: oh wow so it is it is part of the maintenance world but that is different that is different then than, than uh, it, it, you know my apologies for my ignorance but. That's different than electronic warfare.
1: Correct. Uh, they would be avionics. It's kind of similar, but uh, E&E is more like power wires, making sure things are turned on and off, whereas avionics is more like data wires, sort of like an Ethernet cord for uh, like your Internet and stuff like that. That's uh, oversimplification, but more or less, it's a, that's the difference.
0: Okay. And then you say, I'm sorry, did you say what your degree was in as well?
1: Because uh, I double majored in criminal... Er, Western Illinois University calls it law enforcement justice administration but it's it's essentially criminal justice and then I double majored in philosophy with the emphasis on free law.
0: Okay so essentially you had been somewhat pursuing the the legal field right?
1: Yeah so when I was in my undergrad my junior year I was actually looking at taking the LSAT and going in that direction but for a lot of reasons a lot of Job market wasn't super great for for law back then. I didn't really want to get that further into the the student loans either. And so I have to go to give it a shot at the uh, police officer career field and see how that went for me before I would uh, later go into the law enforcement or uh, back for the legal degree if that was what I wanted to do. I was actually planning on uh, picking that up either part-time here or if I decided to get out after this run on my enlistment, I was gonna use my GI Bill to pursue it.
0: Okay awesome awesome um so and and again just going back to your i know i keep i got, we're going all over the place but um going back to the air force and your assignment so how did you end up at, at, at whiteman air force base is that a place that you wanted to go or is that just what you had
1: that's just where I was. I didn't know Whiteman Air Force Base existed when I got the assignment. I was uh, notified when I was at Shepherd down in Texas for my initial tech school for e and I got the notification. I had to Google where it was. And uh, it's actually like three hours away from Quincy. So it's, it's essentially the same place, like very, very similar culture and area and everything was pretty much the same. So it was kind of like that double-edged sword of like, this isn't so bad. I'm close to home. I can visit for the holidays, but also like, one of the reasons i joined was to travel so that kind of took the wind out of my sails on that one
0: that's right so just curious what did you if you remember what did you pick for your assignments? then were you trying to go overseas
1: i was trying to go overseas i wanted to like a lot of people i feel like i, I wanted to hit up like japan or europe primarily and then stateside i was trying to get out to and I, I think i had like texas and then some western places, Colorado, California. D and E's pretty open. We can go you can go pretty much any base. So I, I'm pretty spread out spread out.
0: Okay. That's good. And then you get Wyman and then you Google Wyman and then you're like, oh hang on a second.
1: Yeah, I was like, where is Knob Noster, Missouri? <laughs> I Googled that and the the Casey showed up because that's probably the biggest thing there. But right. It was a good assignment. Nice, nice,
0: nice. Um. Okay. So then you so you go to your job, you go to your base, and did you sign up for four, or six?
1: I was initially signed up for four.
0: Okay. So that's why maybe you were able to cross around a little bit, cross train a little bit so- sooner. Yeah,
1: because you you go in about like halfway through, or it's at the I think three year mark for for four years or a little bit before, and then. uh somewhere around your fifth year i think if you're a six-year contract
0: okay now <clears throat> quick question because i think you know i'm I'm really curious about this um because i don't think many people know but when you joined the air force did you know that there was a paralegal career field
1: it had never occurred to me no i i uh, found out about the paralegal career field through technical sergeant miller she was the uh i think she's a military justice in CYC when i was uh in maintenance at whiteman her husband the other technical sergeant now master sergeant miller was my he was my like tech sergeant and then he got later became my flight chief so i kind of met her through like the like the squadron picnics and stuff like that and uh she kind of caught word from her husband about me a little bit and she recommended I look into cross training. She, I've I mentioned it to uh, her husband's Mr. Sergeant Miller that I was uh, considering changing career fields.
0: Right. See that. Um, so there you go. Shout out, um, to Sergeant Miller. Um, uh, I think she's in sunny Florida now enjoying uh, enjoying the weather. We're still kind of cold up here. um, but that is, you know, that that's one thing that I continue to hear is that a lot of people don't know that, you know, that the Air Force offers that career, field, like paralegal, is an option, right? I think most people just automatically go to, uh, you know, the maintenance, the mechanics, and and other jobs, but it doesn't cross people's minds that paralegal is out there.
1: Yeah. I'll probably get a, a lot of negative comments or stares on this one. I originally just assumed it was, because I'd heard about i just originally just assumed it was like an admin slot that they just slotted admin troops into and out of. I didn't realize this is his own thing until I kind of learned more and got into it. And now I'm very aware of the difference.
0: <laughs> right? I mean, yeah, but don't feel bad. Like, that's how it started, right? That's how it all started. And it's been slowly developing, developing into what we have today. So, I mean, it's not a bad assumption. Um... And you know, given given other factors, I can I can definitely understand why um, why you thought that. But yes, I think we you know now that we're offering the opportunity to individuals, you know, as you know before they join, so a guaranteed job. Hopefully, we can do a better job at advertising that. Hey, you know this this job is out there. Maybe people will come in specifically for that. So okay all right good so then you decide that you actually want to go ahead and start cross training then what was the process like from what you remember
1: uh i remember then a lot of initial confusion trying to navigate my person go through all that uh i talk i worked at sergeant miller she put me in contact with i believe a senior master at schlenker she she retired that year but she initially set it up i went over and uh think i had to interview first before i did like the two-week uh kind of like internship slash trial period to check out the career field and see how things were so i worked worked that through my chain and they kind of talked back and forth and i went over and interviewed with colonel thompson and then they gave me the okay and i came over and hung out at the whiteman legal office for two weeks uh i was lucky but on the timing i got to see a, a court-martial for, uh, it, was, uh, it was a general court-martial, so I got to sit in on that, and see all kind of see all the action and stuff. So mo- a lot of other times of the year, it kind of be uh, hard to catch the full picture of what was going on. But I was, I was fortunate on that time and I got to see kind of the pretty close to the full spectrum of what people do in the day-to-day uh, legal office life. And then uh, we did the two weeks, and then uh, yeah, at that point, you know, I was just putting it in through uh, my purse and hoping and praying and waiting.
0: Right. Right and he went through um, quick question and again, just just for the retraining and and, and maybe this is some advice that we can you could provide members that are trying to that are trying to train into being a paralegal. Um, how much preparation do you think that you had to have you know in order to present your to present yourself as a as a good candidate for the paralegal field? I
1: think it's probably. Definitely good to set yourself up early. I'd kind of known for a while that I was, I was looking at retraining as an option. I looked into it a little bit and like checked out forums and stuff like that, and asked around and tried to figure out. The one pattern I kind of saw that I latched onto that I, I think might've been helpful was like showing a like a willingness and an aptitude for learning new things and reaching out. So I tried to go to every training that I could available in my current job and make sure like you put myself out there for different experiences i think that helped out with the retrain i think it helped me out re- more recently with the with the eflap thing i think that was one thing that they mentioned that it's just kind of that broadened experience of just diving head first into things and that's definitely one thing that helps you got to get the letters of recommendation which is probably i imagine is a big step in the, the choices they make on who they have cross-train over so that i worked through my my supervisor the my shirt my commander had to give me recommendations to get that through so it's definitely to start early and get involved, do you, you know, hit your bases on your whole airman concept on getting your training, getting your, your obviously your, your work stuff, and then making sure you're getting uh involved in the squadron as well on your and your uh with your volunteer work and stuff like that,
0: right? No, absolutely, yeah. One thing that I've been seeing is um, for apparently we'll retraining as as new candidates come in, um. Not a lot of preparation, not a lot of preparation or knowing what, what you know, or trying to kind of get to know or the willingness to know about what the career field's all about. Um, but, yeah, I think preparing ahead of time is paramount. Yeah, and any... The, like the, I
1: was just saying, I think that, like, the, the two weeks of observing over the legal office was awesome. I've talked to, like, other friends of mine that came in, like, the same time, but on six-year contracts, so they, like, were a year behind me on the retraining. I even told, like, a lot of them, other career fields that don't have, like, for us, it's like a formal requirement, right? We, we have you come and check it out before we sign you off. But a lot of career fields, it's not, but they're willing to do it. So I definitely recommend anybody to try and observe their legal office and look into it a lot more before you make the jump.
0: Right. No, absolutely. And then you can, you know, you can definitely ask, because paralegals will be upfront too, in letting you know the good things and potentially the bad things about being a paralegal. Not every job is perfect, right? It has definitely the good things and it's bad things. And, you know, you have to be able to weigh it and before you jump in. What some people realize, though, after they jump in, I think, is that it's not what they thought it would be. So it just kind of to reflect on what else could you have done during those 10 days to figure out, you know, to fully, you know, um, figure out and, 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 and make a better determination or a better assessment on being Good so any issues throughout the uh throughout the process that you remember
1: Um yeah initially so when I very first started like the rumor around like the maintenance world over there was that we weren't allowed to retrain and I'd heard that pretty consistently through most of my time as an airman because there's there's a there's a memo that was floating out there I'm not sure if it's it expired for a while, I think they might've put it back. There's a memo out there for two alpha, the maintenance career fields about retraining, but it was for people outside of their first term window. And basically it was like a, a blanket ban on letters of uh, exception to policy to cross train outside of your first term window. I think it kind of got like distorted somewhere out there somewhere. And it was, just became conventional wisdom that you couldn't mm-hmm. cross train out of maintenance. And I, I went, I didn't really take the answer like that. I went and talked to the career advisor at the time and he told me, no, that, that's that's not how it works. So I went ahead and plowed through anyway and, and ended up working out. And then the other issue, the other main issue of this career was they ran out of slots because I was looking at the my first listing. And by the time I got everything together and put it in there, they'd ran out of slots. So I thought I'd missed my opportunity, but uh, I got fortunate and things opened up. It was, I think it was, it was only like two or three weeks before my pack class that they hit me up and let me know that I was accepted to retrain. So it's kind of a last minute thing to slip in there I wasn't even initially on the uh, roster when I showed up to class.
0: Oh wow. Well, Yeah, yeah so uh, I really
1: slipped in there last minute. There's a, there's a couple of us in that case, so I think we I don't know if we got approval for some extra slots at the last minute or people fell out or how that went down.
0: Huh. But that is good um but
1: that's definitely another thing about the the preparation. I would definitely tell people to look ahead of time when your window is and get everything ready as soon as possible so on day one you can have it ready because it's a limited number of slots and we have more slots than a lot of the jobs out there but it's still a limited number and there are a lot of people who want to move around
0: right no but that is that that's a very good um a very good thing that you bring up because sometimes people get discouraged you know like oh i missed it i I missed the spot there's nothing for me and then you know kind of like you know it's over but it's not you never know, you know, with the quotas and everything like that, what can happen. So just keep pressing, you know, with the, you know, if someone is determined to to cross-train and this is what they want, just continue going through the process and you never know what can happen. Okay. So, all right. Yeah, just curious on the paralegal retraining. So definitely thank you for uh, for sharing your your experience and your insight with that. But let's move on to the hot topic. <laughs> To this program e flip. Um tell me how you found out about it and um you know how did you know about the requirements and, and everything like that?
1: I found out about I I'm pretty sure it was on Facebook. I wanna say it was the paralegal training Facebook page. Okay that kind of popped up. Early COVID days. I, I want to say that's it was definitely on there. I think that was the first one I saw it on. Because so I also, I know it was on the. Uh, I later saw it on the Jag recruiting page as well. So that that popped up as one of the things, and then it kind of got dispersed through a couple of different programs later. But the initial was on the Fair Legal Training page. I kind of looked at it through there, and then uh, that that was quite the process. It was, it was it was quite a bit more than the the initial retraining for sure
0: so what yeah what was it like what what was different about it and uh and how much how much did you have to did you have to provide for that
1: uh it was a lot uh so the the first big hurdle was the lsat which is probably like arguably the biggest hurdle it's, it's a lot to prep for uh i, st- I found out i want to say in july you have to you have to register for the lsat a month or two in advance so I had I had until June or had until January to have everything done. The LSAT, AFOQT, all your letters Are rec, writing sample, which I had to i had to make a new writing sample because I, as I said, I graduated uh, my undergrad before I got in, so it's been years ago. So none of none of that stuff's going to be a great sample at this point. So I had to make mine from scratch, which is definitely anyone looking to uh, do that in the following years. I would definitely recommend looking into that, seeing if you, uh, early decide if you've already got something on file somewhere that you like to use if you need to make a new one, because that was a big hurdle. But the LSAT, I was studying 15, 20 hours a week for about three months before I took it. Wow. It was, uh, yeah, it was a lot. Uh, I used uh, Khan Academy. I don't know if you ever heard, uh, they got a lot of free classes and stuff like that. And they had a uh, LSAT prep test thing, which was pretty cool. I got to take a lot of, I did a practice test every weekend through those like three or four months. Those are each about three hours straight through. So that was, uh, that was fun. And then I uh, actually, they, LSAT's doing a, you take it from home now because of COVID. I don't know if they're still doing that. They called it the LSAT flex. So I had to like set up my computer and download like this proctoring program and do some tests and stuff and set that up and kind of like apartment's kind of small living out here in Honolulu, not a lot of room. So I had to like kind of move everything around because there's rules about like what you can have in the room to make sure you're not cheating and stuff like that. Right. So I had to set up like a little mini office in my bedroom. So that was kind of crazy. <laughs> and then uh I initially planned on taking it twice, which is fairly common. You you, you take it and you live in you learn, and you go for the second one and see what your higher score is. So t- most schools just go off the higher one. They don't really, unless there's a big, difference there's not a whole lot of concern and difference in uh your different scores from what I've read and come to understand but uh I was on a general court martial that changed venues we had to move it all the way out to Joint base Andrews hmm. so uh I uh I missed my second date for my second LSAT so I had to settle on that first score so, oh wow yeah that, that 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 threw a wrench into things but my first score was good enough so it ended up being alright and then uh <laughs> AFOQT wasn't as bad. The the two things they zero in on and out is like your verbal reasoning and then the uh, I forget the exact terminology, but basically your math score. uh Verbal reasoning I didn't really need to study. It's it's pretty similar to like once you study for the LSAT, you're good for the. I feel I felt like I was pretty good for the AFOQT verbal stuff. It's like vocabulary and uh, analogies and stuff like that. I definitely had to brush up on my math. There's a lot of like factoring and stuff like that. Like Math you don't do in a normal everyday life unless you have like your career is somehow math oriented. So I haven't done anything other than you know balancing my bank account for the past decade. So <laughs> I had to do a little catch up tutoring on my on that online. And then uh got to had to get a big stack of letters of recommendation, but that, that kind of just comes with the career if you've been doing right by everybody and doing your stuff. That, those aren't too hard to come by. And then uh, another big thing was the writing sample. Like I said, I had to make it from scratch because all of my writing from undergrad were was, was ancient and I don't honestly don't know if I even have any of it anymore. Right. So uh, I actually worked with uh, Captain Haron and Captain Heal here helped me out quite a bit. They're uh, our local writing enthusiasts. So uh, they gave me a task from one of our courts coming up. Uh, it's like a an admissibility question on some evidence we we're trying to get in. So I kind of did some legal research. Kind of dusted off the training from PAC. Luckily, it hadn't been that long. Did some legal research and typed up a memo on like my, my kind of my theory of admissibility and how we would attempt to get it into the court martial. And did that and that ended up being my writing sample. And that took quite a few edits and uh, I still owe uh, Captain Harlan, Captain heel a couple boxes of red pens, but we got through it together. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then it got got all that through. And then you apply to the schools. That's that's a bear in itself. Anyone looking at the program should just know ahead of time the lsac the organization you apply through they uh they want their cut of the the law school money so it's like it's like two hundred dollars for the lsat i think it was 150 to register with lsac which you need to apply to school and then it's 45 bucks a pop for application and then the schools can charge on top of that so anyone looking at the program next year definitely uh, get your savings going for that that was kind of hard hit luckily because the COVID, the schools waived the uh waived their their fees. So that helped out a little bit. Yeah, and then picking the schools was also a little bit difficult because as we're all aware, the military likes to move us around. So you don't know where you're going to end up. So it's kind of hard to pick like based on the normally, you know what I mean? You look at specialties and what kind of law you want to practice, which isn't necessarily like the worst way to go. But I was, my concern was if I was like, all right, hey, I want to like, I'm super into claims or something like that. I get here and they're like, "All right, you'll be a trial lawyer." And the next time I'm in the ADC, and I'll never use it again, or like vice versa. If I go, you go for like advocacy or like criminal justice, or you go for like a, a criminal focus, and like, "Hey, we're gonna have you go do environmental law."
0: Right.
1: So I ended up going with uh, did a focus on legal writing and uh, advocacy. I kind of leaned in more on the soft skills that'll be useful everywhere, and figure I'll fill up the, the knowledge end on the back end once I figure out where I'm going uh, at the end of school. But yeah, that was a uh, more or less the the gambit of things. Then you put it in in uh, late December, early January, and then and then it's the waiting game.
0: Right. <clears throat> wow. So how did you end up with uh, UNLV?
1: UNLV. Uh, I just was they they've got uh, law schools are super big on like their rank posturing and their rack and stacks. So once you know what you have in mind, like, like I said, I, I kind of leaned into legal writing and like advocacy as my focuses, So I thought those would be kind of the most flexible things I could go into. UNLV's rated, uh, pretty consistently rated as number one in the country for writing program, legal writing. I knew that'd be pretty critical. And then uh, there are also like six, I think, and uh, the alternate dispute resolution. So like uh, arbitration and stuff like that. It's, that kind of marries up to advocacy, like talking in court and stuff like that. So just more, like I said, more of the soft skills I looked into and uh, just their overall program looks pretty good. They've got some good, uh, like the clinic the clinics, they've got a big thing first year, you have to do uh, like uh, community outreach where they have like, uh, you do awareness projects and stuff like that in the community for people who can't afford uh, representation, stuff like that. So you get uh, they have like programs that you have to participate in. Uh, help people out and spread knowledge about just, just basic stuff like landlord tenant disputes and divorce and like, you know, sort of like uh, legal assistance that we do in the legal office here is sort of like that, but more of awareness aspect than advising and stuff like that. And then later in the career, you get into clinics and stuff and actually help out like hands-on. But it, it all just kind of seemed to, to go up pretty well. That's kind of the kind of the area of the country that my wife and I discussed that we were kind of into Neither of us are big fans of the cold. We don't want to go back to the Midwest. Just because we wanted something different. Not to knock the Midwest. We were liked in there when we were there, but it's time to move on. Right. And uh, so the the cold kind of knocked us out of the north and the east coast. So we were looking more towards the the general Nevada, California, Arizona area.
0: Right. <clears throat> All right. No, that's pretty cool. That's a lot. That's a lot of information and a lot of stuff to get ready for, to get prepared for. Um, cause
1: yeah, I put a lot of hours into looking into all the schools and stuff, trying to figure out where to go.
0: Right. Right. So, how much preparation in total? Because you, I know you mentioned when did you take the LSAT again? Like, what month?
1: Let's see. I want to say it was early August because the registration for the next one I wanted to take was due in September. Because so I would remember I was all the way up until like the last you have to re- register like a month or two in advance? And I was about to register for the second one. And then we had that change of venue on that court martial I was on. And I looked, I was like, man, there's no way I'm going to be able to study any further while I'm like TDY for like a month. We had like, we had 30 something witnesses that I had to travel over. We had people coming from Korea and Germany and stuff during COVID. It was a nightmare. So I was just like, I'm not going to be able to study anymore. So I just kind of had to scrap my second test. But uh, yeah, so I, I think I took it at, i think actually now that i think about it, i think it would have been september the first one i found out about the program i think july okay. and i registered right away because it was i remember it was about three months studying right so i think it would have been late september
0: huh so essentially and then you said that you studied for like a month two months a month
1: it, it was like two or three months i was doing like 15 20 hours a week
0: so maybe you were preparing like, since may maybe maybe May. It
1: was June or July because it was, it was a quick turnaround. I might have got the date on the LSAT wrong. I know I found it like June or July because I think that's when they first announced the program. Yeah. It was rough. I'd get out of work and I would just go straight to my computer and study all night and like get a little bit of dinner. And then I didn't do pretty much anything for that block of time other than work out a little bit after work, eat, study quite a bit. And I took those tests every weekend. Wow. Wow.
0: So all that... You know you're doing ahead of time because the application again was due in this december
1: yeah due first week of january
0: first week of january is the application but you're doing all this preparation already about six months ahead
1: yeah it felt like a quick turnaround for everything you had to do so any anyone looking for next year i would i would start looking now
0: right 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 Especially for the,
1: the the lsat
0: right however if for whatever reason you Did not get picked up, then it would have been all right. So, the LSAT, the AFOQT, and everything that you got it's, a, I mean, it's a lot to put into, you know what I mean? I'm not saying that, you know, I mean,
1: yeah, it's a big investment,
0: right? How many people do they pick? Do you know for the is it just one person that they picked for the E uh,
1: They picked there were, they told me there were 22 applicants in the end. They picked four of us, it was just, I was the only enlisted one, and they picked three officers.
0: Oh, okay. So I mean it was flat, but you were the only E flat.
1: Yeah, so they, they boarded us together. They didn't have like separate slots or anything. They didn't say like this many enlisted this many officers. Oh. They just boarded us all together. So in theory it could have been all enlisted or it could have been all officers. I don't, right. I don't think they they cared or had a number in mind. It was more about who what what they wanted out of the candidates and who fit that category.
0: Okay. All right. So that's good to that's good to know then. Um, I wasn't sure if they were separating the officer the just the flep and then the E flep separately.
1: Yeah, no, they they board us all together. So I was the only one this year, but next year it could be all enlisted, depending on who we get in there. Right. Right right. Right,
0: right because in the end, the only difference between selecting enlisted and officers is that you have to go to OTS.
1: Yeah, pretty much they got uh yeah, the the OTS, you do the F O Q T and then there's uh, there's like a uh, there's an interview you got to do the form fifty six you go through you have to do a squadron an interview with your squadron commander, that's kind of the standard OTS route uh, that you go you kind of have to do that in conjunction because flep is kind of the Marion N Flep with a general like uh, normal accessions for OTS.
0: Okay. Interesting. So now, so you were selected, which is awesome, and also any career field right can can apply. As far as enlisted, yeah.
1: any career field we had, I know, because uh, you come out and do some interviews. So I know we had, I think, two people interview out here with the uh, the the attorneys here as part of their process, and they had one was from Intel. I think they told me, and I don't I don't remember the other one, but we had two other people that weren't paralegals on the island here that that also applied. So it's definitely open to all career fields.
0: Right. But it's awesome. It's really really awesome that the first flip selected it's a paralegal. That is super cool because, you know what I mean, like it validates somehow, you know what I mean, like we are, we know we know these things. The only difference that, the only thing that we haven't been able to do so far is litigating court, obviously provide legal advice, but as far as everything else we, we're we capable of doing the same things that attorneys. do.
1: Absolutely, and I like on that note with uh, like uh, litigating in court, anybody who's like considering the jump, I definitely recommend if you've got some discharge boards coming up, seeing about jumping in on those. So I actually had the opportunity with uh Captain Heald here ushered me through and I got to sit in an uh, assistant reporter and kinda try that out and do a little bit. So that was definitely a, a good experience of anyone who's on the fence. Cause like we said, it's a it's a big investment. You want to be sure. So if you jump in there and get on the get on the discharge board, it's a very good mock trial and uh in the closest form that we can kind of play at it. So it's definitely a good experience to try out if you're considering it.
0: Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. There you go. So and it can only help you to say, hey, I've you know, I've done this even in an administrative process, but I've done this. Mm-hmm. Um, and that could help with the interview and preparing and, and making sure that your 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 application is as strong as possible.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, and it's and it's it's a good experience too. Just, just like you get in your cases and sometimes, especially the ones you get you get really into, it's kind of disappointing to sit back seat and have like you know you trust your attorney to handle it. And like the discharge board is cool to actually get up there and you get to do like I got to do an opening to do some uh, questions and stuff like that for uh witnesses it's definitely fun to actually get into there and uh try it out yourself
0: yeah yeah no that's awesome i've never done it myself i never did it myself but it has it has to be an an amazing experience and it and it gives you right it gives you that um you know the, the litigation piece that we never get to do in court but you get that opportunity in a discharge court um okay So again get selected our first prior legal is also the first well first prior legal selected for eflip and then so now what happens next
1: so i go to ots in july which unfortunately ends in september and school starts late august
0: oh wow Uh, i'll
1: get a little bit of a late start at school but I talked to the dean at uh, UNLV and we kind of worked out how we're going to catch back up. Fortunately, so law school, uh, especially like your first year, your, your your score is all on your final test. So it's kind of flexible. So I'll be able to catch up. But uh, we're working on the details on how, how the orders work and stuff to get cut to go to the uh, Las Vegas area and get in there. Hope I'm hoping I can get there in June. And give me some time to figure out where I'm going to live and set everything up. And then TDY from there to uh maxwell and get ots done and come back and catch up on school but uh we'll, we'll see how it, it shakes out it's uh it's the first run we're trailblazing here so we're trying to figure out exactly how it lays out and where do the orders come from and who controls me and where where does all the money come from stuff like that so oh, it's, wow. it's definitely a learning experience figuring it out wow
0: so you're essentially one month behind
1: yeah, it'll be it'll be a couple weeks, depending on when the how the PCS and stuff breaks down. So we'll see how that goes. But I've talked to I talked to our attorneys here. I, I've been in touch with a couple uh, students at the school there, and that that the, they've all agreed. and it, It's pretty uh, it's doable. It'll I'll be studying a, a lot. It'll be a a rough couple months to catch up, make sure. Cause the the other thing is to get into like uh, mock trials and like law review and a lot of the uh, the great experience like. Extracurriculars you can do like your second and third year are based on your performance your first year, so I really gotta really gotta nail it when I get there because I wanna definitely wanna get into everything. So I got got a lot on my shoulders to make sure that like I do good. I got that like that concern. I gotta nail it. So next time when they're looking at the candidates and they see the enlisted people, they know that they're they're good options to consider maybe maybe better sometimes. <laughs>
0: That's right, yeah. So no pressure there, Sergeant Fenton. You're only rep- representing the entire Air Force enlisted corps.
1: <laughs> yeah, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. I've I've been definitely brushed it up, trying to get ready for for OTS. I don't need all the all the fresh officers judging the corps wrong.
0: <laughs> That's right. No, but I'm you know definitely I'm sure that you'll do well. Um, you know that like you'll make us all, all proud and and. You know, maybe you will go ahead and uh, once you graduate and once you are, you know, back in the Jack Corps as a as an officer, maybe we'll do another podcast then just to kind of go through the whole experience. That'd be a cool um, another cool perspective.
1: For sure. That'd be awesome.
0: Yeah. Um. OK, so, wow, there's a lot, a lot going on an amazing journey that expects you you know that waits for you ahead um i'm really glad that i got an opportunity to talk to you about this and the opportunity to share this information with everyone um just to kind of so they know you know how much preparation they're gonna have to do um for this and 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 what it's all required um, to be able to be successful and, and 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 to be picked up for for the program
1: Absolutely, yeah. If, if anybody out there has has questions or issues working through it, you can find me on roster. I, I'd be happy to help out. I've had a couple of people reach out. And I don't mind at all. So if anybody wants to, I can't give all the answers. Obviously, there's gonna be better people than that, but I can do my best for you. That's
0: right. That's right. Yeah, you can definitely provide the answers. Um, yeah. No, that's great. Well, again, thank you for agreeing to do this. I know we 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 were kind of thinking about it. So we we were actually we reached out to you. I think before, as you were going through the entire process, I think yeah, you were going through the application still.
1: I, th- I think I turned it in at that point, but I hadn't heard anything. We were just kind of waiting. When I'm trying to remember when we first talked, so it was originally about the retraining, right?
0: It was originally about retraining, and then you're like, "Hey, I'm doing EFL as well. I'm applying for EFL." And um, and then I'm not. I mean, we still wanted to talk to you about it, especially to get you know um. As you were going through the application process, or you had already turned it in, um, but then you know we got caught up, and now we got the finally got the news that you were accepted. So I'm glad we did it after the fact. Um, that way you could you could talk about this success story and share your experience with everyone. For sure. Awesome. Well, Sergeant Fenton, again. Thank you so much for this. I wish you the best of luck. And I know that you're going to represent us all um, well. And uh, we will see you. We'll see you again in the Jack.
1: Well, thank you, sir. I'll see you around. I appreciate it.
0: All right. Take care.